Warning, the cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the, tri for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy with A Man Apart Podcast, episode 20, titled Stuck in the System. We're about to have an interview with an individual who goes by the TikTok name Stuck in the System. And this young man is going to tell his story where he went through foster care systems, foster care families, group homes, and many other things that I don't want to spoil for y'all. This is going to be one of those stories that are going to be eye-opening, in my opinion. It's going to show you how messed up the system really is, and just how bad it can go for these children that are unfortunately not thought of enough in our society. So brace yourselves. It's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a bumpy ride as they say. And I just don't want to I just don't want to give any more preference to it. I just want to to let y'all know that it, you know, it's it is a it is a sad story. And it'll make you cry, it'll make you angry, and hopefully it compels you enough to Look into the foster care system, the CPS, to DCFS, and all these other organizations as well. So, here we go. Hey, Will. Hey, good morning, Jay. What's going on, brother? So, uh, I just introduced you on the uh, on a on a on the podcast and everything like that already. Um, so basically. I know you want to share your story and everything like that, and I appreciate you reaching out to me on TikTok. And your story is, it's got a lot to it. Yeah, so, you do uh, just take it from the beginning and just go from there, man. And we'll, we'll talk about it and ask questions along the way. But uh, so, so why did you choose the name Stuck in the System? But guess, I, I guess that'd be the best, the best first question I can ask you. That's actually a very good question. Um, 
it's almost like um as if i i've been uh like uh i don't know cursed or something because coming up uh my mother she was a bad drug addict i was born in uh you know mid 80s so you know height of the crack epidemic and yeah. um you know she uh she went through her own her own issues with her family i didn't know them um you know her my grandmother um her stepfather her um family that she she grew up with um for some reason she was like the black sheep of the family um from what I understand, what I was told by my father, um, she was molested by her father's brother, uh, stepfather's brother. Um, yeah. She had told her mother, and you know, um, they 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 didn't want to acknowledge it. They did. They made it seem like it was a fabricated story. Um, so, from my understanding, you know, that put her on a down downward slope of uh, you know just life. Um, so, you know, she started out pills and, uh, you know, all those kind of uppers, downers, uh, volumes, yeah. that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, I guess uh, she kind of missed the uh, dope epidemic after the, the 70s and stuff like that. But, you know, the crack epidemic, that was, uh, you know, it's easier access, you know, especially if you were into yeah. like coke and stuff. Um, from what I understand, she worked on Wall Street for a little bit of, a little bit of time. Um, so I can see how those two things can correlate. Um, yeah. Uh, my mother and father knew each other from pretty young. They grew up in Brooklyn, Flatbush, uh, Church Avenue. Um, big okay. Irish and Italian uh, setting out there. Uh, he was a little bit older than her, but he, uh, he was in the Merchant Marines. And, um, you know, they had their things uh, when he would come back from, you know, um, being overseas and it was like a, a, a toxic toxic love kind of relationship yeah um you know he's out nine ten months out of the year um and you know uh I came about so at this time she uh she was you know crack was bad like I said um she was just partying um not really taking care of me the way I should have been um my father would come back from sea overseas. He would tell me like different stories about, you know, how I was being neglected. I was always left in a crib. I have some memories of, you know, trying to climb out of the baby crib. Um, and uh, he told me that I was uh, being, you know, my, my diapers were dirty. Um, nobody was watching me. She had different different people in the house. It was just a, a party pretty much. Um, yeah. So I remember this vividly, right? Um, she was, she was, she got high, um, or whatever the case may be, and she left a pot on the stove. I had to be like four. Um, okay. The fire department came, and I remember opening the door for them. We lived in Canarsie then, in Brooklyn. Um, okay. I remember them keeping on telling me to back up away from the door so they could break the, the glass and, or the door down. But I eventually opened the door up, and um, they came in, they, they, they got everything situated. But I had to go live with my Aunt Lillian, uh, my mother's stepsister. So she was a bad alcoholic, um, older woman. I'm young. Yeah. I'm, I'm going through what I went through. You know, I'm, I'm just running around, not listening. Um, everything was pretty much, you know, fun and games to me, as it should be as a child. Um, but she had a really bad problem with alcohol. And uh, I used to get hit a lot. So um, 
I went to school. I'm like, I'm about six now after, after I got with her. I was there for about two years, maybe almost six, I guess. Um, so I went to school and they saw some bruises on me and they sent the CPS, right? Well, it was ACS. It was yeah. ACS back then, BCW, um, yeah. Bureau of Child Welfare. Um, and when they came and got me, man, um, I think this is why I have such an authority issue and I really, I really don't trust uh, like any kind of authority or law enforcement, stuff like that. Because when this, this lady, um, she was a social worker. I remember it vividly, uh, African, African-American woman dreads and she had those uh, seashells in her hair. Um, yeah. So if you can picture this back then, they used to come in with the police um, like okay. a patrol car. They didn't have their own vehicles and stuff like that. And um, I didn't really know what was going on. I actually saw my mother uh, that day for like the first time in a while. I, I couldn't say how long, but I saw her that day. And um, when they came and got me, um, the lady put me in the back of the patrol car. Um, now, I was scared. I was confused. I was I was just going through a lot. You know, I just seen my mother. I was it was just a lot going on. And um when we were leaving, I was in the back of the patrol car. I remember looking out the window and every person that I saw, you know, I was trying to convince this lady that my mother was coming to get me. You know what I mean? I wanted to be with my mother. And I yeah. said, I want my mother, that's that's her. And she just kept on telling me to shut up, man. And I cried myself to sleep in the back of that police car until I got to uh, Life Street. It's on a canal. It's the uh, okay. reception center for foster care, uh, juveniles, uh, kids going into the system. Um, usually it's a 24-hour stay. You stay there, and they find placement for you. Um, okay. They found a place for me. I went to this house somewhere upstate. Uh, it had to be like 20 kids in this one house. Um, I bet. So, it, so, so, well, um, what was it like that first night though, when you were, when they were trying to find placement so for you? I cried myself to sleep. Like the lady that was in charge of the house, um, they were yeah. older kids, younger kids. I, when I look back at it, um, I don't know if you ever, you ever saw that cartoon called Recess. Um, yeah. So they had a play set, like a, like a swing set slides in the yard. It was like, uh, it wasn't even grass. It was just that really thin, light brown dirt that's super dusty like it's, yeah, it's almost yeah. like a dry clay kind of thing right yeah it's not yeah, sand yeah. but it's not dirt right i um, got you and it was just uh you know all these kids running around going crazy like it was just it, it literally reminds me of recess and um they had bunk beds in every room um you know toys everywhere it was just it was a lot going on and um they try to get me into this room and sleep in this bunk bed. And I, I this is my first time ever in a situation like this. I was, wasn't really around too many other kids growing up. So it was yeah. a lot for me. And I cried and I cried and I cried. And I remember this one kid, he was a little older than me. And he was trying to, you know, trying to soothe me. You know what I mean? Trying to, you know, tell me everything was going to be all right. Calm down. He tried the best he could, but it was just a lot. You know what I mean? Um, Right. I, I, I cried so much and like it was so much for me that they moved me to another foster home uh, the next day. 
Right. Uh, people came, put me in a car, and they drove me to another agency in Middletown, New York. Um, I actually went with a really, really decent family, uh, the Lewises. They lived in Slate Hill. Um, they had a son and a daughter. Um, I was there for two weeks. Um, I want to say it was maybe the most normalist two weeks of my life. You know what I mean? Like almost like that picture perfect kind of home. Yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, my mother had some second or third cousins. Um, they found out that they took me from my aunt Lillian, and they uh, they were they were really into like middle class America. Um, okay. The my my I guess you could call her my cousin. Um, she was an older woman. She was a therapist, but she had a rheumatoid arthritis, so she couldn't really move around like that. Um, like really bad, like pins in, in her feet. And like sometimes she, she would have to go over and get different procedures. She would wheelchair yeah. bound some of the time or a cane or just really, you know, slow on the get up. Um, right. Her husband was a retired New York City transit officer. Um, good guy, so, Irish guy. Yeah. So, so like, like when you mean like a transit officer, you mean like the, the cops that are in the subways and everything like yeah, that? Yep. 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 Okay. So, yeah, so, like, like I don't know how it is for the rest of the country, but down here, we don't have all that in Louisiana. Um, so, uh, like, we, we pretty much got city cops and sheriffs. That's all we got for our uh, – well, that at least that's what I know with my with law enforcement. I know they got other different divisions and whatnot, but, yeah, we don't have transit cops. So, I, I, I know some people might not know what a transit cop is. Um, but, yeah, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, uh, those are the cops that uh, work – they work the beat on, a, on the platforms of the train stations in New York City. Uh, okay. He was an older gentleman. Um, you know, well put together, you know, he's been around the block a few times, but wholesome at heart, I think, uh, to an extent, um, everybody has their flaws. Uh, right, so, right. you know, they're, they're an older couple. They had a, a daughter and a son, their son followed in behind his footsteps. He became a police officer for freehold and, um, a volunteer firefighter. So, um, he followed that, that path. Um, and then their daughter was, uh, working she she graduated from i think it might have been princeton or something like that in jersey okay um and she was really they were really good to me man really really good to me um but you know the system has a way of trying to reunify the family right um okay. unification as far as like uh you know the end objective is to put you back with your parents to an extent um because they always know that's from now, from what I know now, um, in my opinion, it's a it's, uh, almost like a safety net for, you know, future. Um, how can I say this? Uh, progression into, you know, going into the system again. Um, it's almost so ba- like so ba- a- so basically they, what they do is they try to put you back in a situation that was bad for you, knowing that it might be bad. And, the, and they're, they're taking a 50, 50 gamble. And I, I'm giving that, I'm giving that a very, you know, you know, very generous. generous. Uh, yeah. yeah very with generous. That. But, uh, but, but get basically putting the gamble that, you know, that you're going to be put back right in the system again uh, in that same situation, instead of putting you in an environment where you're going to be loved and cared and, 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 and supported and, and taken care of. They're trying to put you back in a situation that's not really that healthy for you is I think what exactly. you're trying to say, right? No, okay. no, yeah, that's that's the best way you could possibly put it. Um so, you know, back and forth to court um for about two to three years. Um 
when I was there, I had birthdays, Christmases. Um, who knows? I might have been in law enforcement or some kind of firefighter or something in the army yeah. or something like that. You never know. Um, from young, I've always wanted to be in some kind of action, right? Um, right. Pretty much became my downfall growing up. Um, but after the three years that I was there, um, my mother and father decided to come together and say, hey, you know, um, the only way that we're going to get Billy out of the system is uh, if we come together and we, you know, show them that we're responsible and, you know, we have a good place for them to live and stuff like that, even though they had their toxic relationship, right? Um, that right. never got fixed. Um, mind you, he's a merchant marine from 19 all the way until about 68. Um, that so, was his life. So basically, just spending nine to ten months a year out out in the out in the sea, going from port to port and everything like that, not really being around you too much, only home for maybe a month or two, and then going right back out exactly. again. Um, what were the issues they dealt with in their relationship? I mean, I, I obviously, you know, that long length of absence is going to cause you know cause a rift with any couple, but. What were some of the things that they went through as a couple that you remember? Well, I know my mother was, uh, she was a a very free spirit, Um, redhead, green eyes, uh, you know, fire. She, she, uh, she had a temper on her and she wanted things done the way she wanted it done. Plus going through everything that she went through. um, You know, she's been in the streets before. She knows both the business aspect, Wall Street, and then, you know, the medical, I found out recently I did Ancestry. Um, and then I also did True Finder on, um, I looked her up. She was actually a registered nurse in Pennsylvania. That's oh, wow. That's a small feat, you know what I mean? Um, no, so no, yeah, yeah. That's, that's hard to be a nurse, yeah. Yeah, so to go from that to, you know, living in the streets and becoming addicted, um, you know, that's 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 a story in itself. But a lot of uh, trials, tribulations, and also wisdom and experience from those situations. Um, so she was kind of set in her ways, uh, very, very... Uh, very dominant, um, very hard-headed, um, and, you know, uh, she was a very good manipulator. Um, okay. So, you know, him being in uh, Merchant Marines and going through all those different, you know, uh, trainings and, and following the uh, the code of, you know, almost like a military kind of uh, mindset, they bumped heads a lot. Um, you know, being in those places, being on ships and going to port to port and being around a whole bunch of different peoples from different countries, you have to be um, socially aware of everyone, right? Um, so you have to be conscious of who's trying to get over on you, who's doing this, who's doing that. Does somebody have a hidden agenda? So he was very uh, witty when it came to that. And plus he was a navigator, a chief uh, for the fire inspector of the boat, and he was also the second mate. So he had some rank, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So a lot of a lot responsibility. Of yeah. So he, yeah. he dealt with a lot of different people and you got to be sharp dealing with different people. Cause you know, somebody, uh, especially in, in, in those kind of areas and situations, somebody's going to try to get over on you. Um, yeah. so he saw a lot of the bullshit and he didn't really put up with it. Um, he would, he would call her out on her shit and, um, you know, she would play the victim. So that was always an issue between the two of them. Um, but when they did get me back, you know, first honeymoon stage, uh, I was fucking ecstatic to be with them. Um, I remember when they came and got me from the foster family I was with, her, her second and third cousin or whatever it was, 
I noticed towards the end, like when they when they knew that my mother and father were getting me back, um, it kind of like shunned me out. Um, it wasn't the same. You could feel the energy shift. Like uh, they cried before I left. It wasn't really. Um, it, I w I understand it now. Um, they were crying because they knew what I was going to go through, right? Um, right. They they had a, they had an understanding of what was to come, and I was too young to really know what was going on. I was nine. But um, when we had to come back to get all my stuff, um, they wouldn't even allow us in the house. They just put everything in the driveway, right? So it kind of, all that three years of blissfulness and all that, it kind of made me a little bit of, uh, made me a little, had me a little resentment in a sense. You know, I felt, I felt shunned out. I felt like, you know, um, you're with your, your parents now and you're, you're, you're no good to us kind of thing. Um, yeah, like, your dad, like, like, like like your dad do us, we don't want nothing to do with you now. Yeah, so it's like I died a little bit, you know what I mean? Because um, yeah. it was very difficult to really try to understand that then. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, But I get it now. Um, and then, you know, um, when they got me, uh, you know, it was the honeymoon stage. I was pretty much in the front seat sitting on my mother's lap going. My father bought a house in uh, Tom's River, New Jersey. Um, you know, so he, he, he put the foundation as much as he could. Right. Um, but right. he wasn't going to stop working. Um, right. you know, he was, he was there with us maybe two months when I first got back and, um, he had to go back out to sea. So once he left, you know, so another thing too, let me backtrack a little bit before my mother and father could get me back. My mother had to go to a program, an inpatient program called Samaritan Village. It's a okay. drug rehab facility in New York State. Um, she did 13 months there, graduated, and that was one of the requirements for the family court for her to be able to get me back. So not only was she, um, you know, involving herself in a lot of drugs and alcohol, but she also had mental health issues that she didn't deal with. Um, you know, right. somebody that's, that can manipulate can play the system. Um, she did that very well. Um, she was like, I remember her saying, you know, she was the top, uh, like, a counselor underneath the original counselor for the program. You know, she wooed them. And, um, you know, she got up out of there. But she never really focused on the true situations at hand. And, yeah. Um, on, basically, she never focused on the on the trauma that led to her you know, drug addiction, her partying, the, the escapism is what I call that. Um, when people mm -hmm. go through that, they're trying to escape from the pain and yep. drown it out with alcohol and, and drugs and everything like that. And, you know, so that's so because she didn't deal with that properly, it, you know, that that trauma leaked out into all the other aspects of her life, including on your your life as well. Yep. Yep. So, um, you know, after he went back to sea, uh, you know, she relapsed. Um just me and her in the house. He would make sure that she had money every month, uh, you know, a, a certain amount yeah. for groceries, bills are paid, all that stuff. Um, How long did it take know, her to relapse? I want to say maybe I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt, maybe about four or five months, maybe even okay. six. Um, but um, when he got back, um, he could tell the difference. Like um, he knew, you know people that know 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 the shit uh you know addiction and stuff like that he he had some addictions as well um not as severe you know he was like more like a functioning addict um, right 
Um, so he kept himself in check to that point. So, you know, he could sell the signs. Um, and, you know, he would find liquor bottles hidden in, in cabinets and, you know, places. And um, he would confront her about it. And, you know, she would deny it. You know, I don't know how you could possibly do that when the evidence is right there. But, you know, people go into that, that fight or flight kind of situation. Um, and it just, it, it like, everything went downhill from there. You know what I mean? He didn't want to be in the house. Uh, me and him never really had a relationship. It was more discipline than anything. Um, yeah. No hugs or, you know, stuff like no, that. It was just. Uh, yeah. No, I love yous or I'm proud of you or attaboys. Yeah, or none, none of that. It's just, you know what to do. You got to do it kind of thing. You know, being in that, yeah. in that, in that, that field of life of being a merchant Marine, you know. It's hard to have emotions in that kind of place. So it's almost like a jail in a sense, if you think about yeah. it. Um, so he went back out to sea again, um, and she she just went off to the races, man. Um, now, mind you, they're originally from Brooklyn Flatbush, right? Right. Um, before she left, she, she, she threw a party. She had some friends come up from Brooklyn. Um, she forged some signatures. She was really good at that. Um, Come to find out later on, that's what she was doing um, when we left Jersey to go back to Brooklyn. But um, she forged a signature, got some credit cards, and just went to town, right? So I'm having a time of my life. We're in hotels, and I'm in the pool. I'm ordering breakfast every morning. Um, I'm just having the time of my life. And they're in a hotel doing whatever they're doing, right? Um, so I remember my father finds out about this whole thing with, you know, got some bills in the mail, he pulls up to the hotel with the police. He takes me, my mother gets arrested. Um, he's got me, but he's got to go back to work. So I'm there and, you know, there's really no communication. I don't really know what's going on. I just know that he's mad and I just came from a really crazy, happy situation on my end because I was able to do whatever it is that I wanted. Um... So, you know, I was confused. Um, and then, you know, he realized after some time, he dropped the charges and uh, gave me back to my mother. She came back to the house. He left again. And uh, we went back to Brooklyn. Um, we're in Brooklyn now. She she didn't have anywhere to go. Um, so she contacted a friend of her friend of the family that was really close to her father, um, old man Murphy, um, older Irish guy, uh, really bad alcoholic. Um, so he had a one bedroom apartment in Flatbush, East 26th street. Yeah. Um, we get there and right away, my mother kicks him out of his room and puts him in the kitchen. He's sleeping on a mattress on the floor in the kitchen. Well, wait, you, so your mom kicked him out of his own bedroom into uh, the, wow, okay. Um, and then it was just, uh, she took over and then it was a party. It turned into a, pretty much a crack house. Um, I remember our first day there in, when we got to Brooklyn, um, there was a bike, a spray painted silver, like radiator silver paint, right? The whole thing, mm -hmm. it's got a basket on the front, and this bike is like super big. I'm 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 nine, almost ten. I'm skinny. I'm I'm short. I'm malnourished. Like it's just a lot going on. 
My mother gives me a piece of paper with the address and telephone number and tells me to get out the house and go figure it out. I take this bike. We lived on the fourth floor. Took this bike all the way downstairs, pretty much almost killing myself every flight, right? Right. Get on the bike, and I ride around. I remember I had this piece of paper. I got lost. I asked this man. I said, do you know where this is? He gives me directions, and I go back to the block where we're living at. And that was, like, my first time of really realizing, you know, you're by yourself, kid. Like, you better figure this shit out, because if not, you're going to get eaten up. So, so what so what were you trying so what was she trying to make you go do with the with the bike and everything? Um I I guess to just be independent because even before okay. we left Jersey, right? This is another thing too. Yeah. Um she had one of the kids in the neighborhood uh come over and pretty much give me beatings almost every day until we left. Um, you know, I was playing hockey out there. You know, the hockey gold gloves, the thick padded yeah. ones. Yeah, she gave this kid those gloves, and he used to, uh, he used to beat me, bro. He used to, and she said, "We're going to Brooklyn. You better not be a punk, right? Right. Which is hardcore, right? Which so, is basically you better, you better learn to fight because you're gonna be in there with the sharks and the wolves and and, and the mm-hmm. dogs out there, and you better, you better know how to come out swinging. Yeah. I got you. Um, um, what was on the piece of paper though? Just, just directions back to the house and everything? Uh, no, just the phone number and the address. Um, oh, okay. Just the address and the phone number, um, you know, if ever. Um, but yeah. I, I ran into a man. It wasn't too far from where I had just left. And he's like, you go this way, you go this way. And, um, you know, I found my way back. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, that was a, a life lesson for me as well because it made me realize that I need to know about my surroundings. Right. Like, you, you can't get lost. You know what I mean? Uh, be... Be vigilant and man up. You know what I mean? It's 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 harsh out here. Um and then, you know, um her being in, in that lifestyle, she she ran into people that are in that lifestyle and um they had kids and what's crazy is those kids became some of my best friends because we're all going yep. through the same shit, right? So right. we would link up uh every morning. Um, I, I didn't go to school that much because, you know, uh, money was tight. There was really no food. I was worried about a lot of other things. There's people in and out the house. Like, I really don't want to go to school. All these kids got nice name brand stuff on. I'm literally wearing my mother's clothes. Uh, two, three sizes bigger than what it is supposed to be. Um, you know, just a mess. And so me and my friends, uh, you know, the mothers of my mother's friends, um, I mean, their mothers, and, you know, um, we're all going through the same thing. So we're running the street. We're pretty much stealing out of stores. We're creating havoc. We're running around with sticks and bottles. And yeah. We're just having fun. You know what I mean? The the, the best fun we could possibly have. Um, we weren't going to school. Um, none of us had name brand clothes. We're starving. We, we are trying to figure out how we're going to eat. So it's not like we could really focus on class anyways. Um, you know, all that trauma, you know, I can't be sitting here not thinking about what's going to happen when I get out of here because I got to think about what I'm going to eat and the shit that I'm about to endure when I get back to this fucking crack house. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, you know, we were, we were just troublesome, man. We, we were delinquents. We were, we were 
goddamn hoodlums, man. We it's yeah, hell raisers, yeah. Yeah, just 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 throwing rocks and eggs and robbing people and you know just just everything you could possibly imagine. We were we were doing. We were stealing bikes, going in stores, doing the old sleeve trick. Hey, how much is this? And then we go back in the freezer, put the ice cream in our coat sleeve, and then walk out like nothing happened. You know, we were getting caught right. for stealing all the time. Our parents were getting um, called, and the police were bringing us home like every week. Um, came to the point where the neighborhood police knew us. Like every time they seen us, they'd stop us and fuck with us. Hey, um, yeah. So, um, did, did any of, yeah? Did any of those neighborhood cops ever try to help you or anything like that? Like try to give you advice about life, or they are they, they are they were just a bunch so, of hard asses. So, two two situations were one of my worst situations. Were really made me dislike the police. Right. Um, okay. One was uh, me and my friends. It's like two in the morning. Right. We didn't want to go back home. I didn't want to. I was literally sleeping in the hallway. I wouldn't even sleep in the same room. Uh, as my mother with her friends, they would be up playing cards, drinking, smoking crack, smoking weed. And I couldn't sleep, man. I can't sleep with the lights on anyway. So um, I had found a baby mattress and I put it in the hallway and I would sleep in the hallway. But I would always get waking up by somebody knocking on the door to come in and out the apartment, stepping over me. Um, so, you know, we, we I didn't want to be there. None of our my friends, they, they were going through the same kind of situation we would just pretty much stay in the streets or sleep in the hallways at buildings or abandoned cars. And um, there was this one particular night, uh, we had stole some cereal, some milk and some cups, right? We didn't even get no spoons. And we're in the building of the, where I live. We're like on the second floor. Yeah. We're spilling milk, we're fucking spilling cereal. We're just happy that we're eating. We're just like, it's it's like, the small things made us happy, right? We're, right? we're fucking ecstatic that we're eating some food. You know what I mean? It took us so long to get the milk, the cereal, the cups. Like, we were on missions. That's what we call it. We're going on a mission. We're going to go yeah. steal some shit. And, you know, we all had our own little, you know, our own little play. So we all played collectively, and we we, we made sure that we did what we had to do to get those things. So we're ecstatic. We're, we're, we're eating. We're spilling milk. Cereal's on the floor. We're just laughing you know the giddies and um right right somebody somebody heard us and they called the police now we hear the walkie talkies in the building so we're like oh shit and we run all the way to the roof now the roof is is four stories my mother lived on the fourth floor okay um we run all the way to the roof we're gonna climb down the fire escape but then we're like no so we pretty much ran around in circles and when they got up there they sprayed us with mace right they fucking stomped us out so bad. My mother came out the house to come up to the roof to see what the fuck was going on. Now, my mother's a redheaded, green-eyed, freckled Irish woman, right? Right. So these officers seen that. Now, mind you, when they're stomping us out, I'm yelling, I'm just a kid. I'm just a kid. Yeah. And when they finally realized, and I, this wasn't no light stomps, bro. I had a, a bruise yeah, yeah. on my thighs for at least four months. Like, I'm surprised my femur wasn't fucking broken. Right. Um, she comes up. They we're, they're, they're, they got us by our shirts, and they're fucking trying to get us down the stairs. She's like, what are you doing to my son? What the fuck is going on? And they said, they looked at each other. I, I'll never forget it. I had mace in my eyes and everything. I had one eye shut. I'm trying to figure this shit out. She, they pass, her, pass us off to my mother, right? 
two of my friends are in the bathroom huffing under the water in the faucet. They're they're crying and they're trying to get more water. I'm there trying to get water. Um, you know, and they just yeah. left like nothing happened. Um, yeah, so from then on I, I kinda knew other than the times that they were messing with me and they would pull us over and search us and talk shit to us and tell us that we weren't shit, we're gonna be in jail and all this other stuff, right? Just to be mean yeah. and nasty. But that kind of sealed the deal for me. But with right. the cherry on top, it was another time, you know, we were doing delinquent shit. And then they brung me home, right? Right. Bring me up to my mother's house. They come in the house. Now, this house is not put together at all. Right. Fucking bags of it's laundry. It's just a fucking mess, bro. My mother had this this kind of like a, like a sofa chair or a single seater with the wood arms, but the really nice flowers on the back where it kind of Yeah, I've had those um, two in my life. I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. It's like that dark wood, almost looks like yep, an oak wood yep, finish to it. Yep, yeah, yep, I know yep, exactly. Yep. I, had that, I had that too growing up, man. So so she's sitting in this fucking chair like she's the queen of the fucking crack house, right? And these police, because <laughs> she was really defiant, man. She didn't like the police either. Like yeah. She would pop her, she would talk her shit, man. And right. um. They're coming in and they're trying to talk to her about me or whatever the case may be. And, you know, pass the blame. I can't control him. He's uncontrollable. Uh, there's a fucking Coke, a plate of Coke sitting right next to that chair. And he sees the plate of Coke, right? Yeah. And he pretty much tells her to get rid of that. Like, I don't want to see that. She slides it under the chair. They, 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 whatever they talk about, and they just leave. Right, right. Nothing. No, uh, I don't know if it's because you know she's an Irish woman, and you know they they felt some kind of obligation not to, you know, whatever. But I um, think I I, I want to give you a perspective on that. Uh, there are some cops who just do it for the paycheck, and so you know you got you got a you got a delinquent kid and everything like that. That's already paperwork right there. But then you got drugs in the mix right there as well uh her being an irish white woman as well uh, it's a lot of fucking paperwork for them to have to go back and do and everything and they probably just didn't want to deal, deal with the paperwork i mean they have to fill out all these reports and everything like that and that's probably why they just said you know i don't want to see that because you know it's probably i don't know what time what time of the day was this at this was like maybe like seven seven eight at night it was dark out um, yeah so i mean so, so they were probably just either starting their shift or getting close to the end of their shift and um and they just like nah we got better shit to do probably now I'm assuming yeah no 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 to an extent um I think a lot because uh, Flatbush was mainly Irish and Italian uh, most of these cops yeah. were you know they they were you know they they're from the neighborhood. the neighborhood they they knew what the neighborhood was before um there was an influx of uh, uh West Indians and Caribbean people um because when we were there that's all it was uh, I was yeah. pretty much the only white boy in the neighborhood. Um, you know, uh, so I think it had a lot more to do with the whole thing of, uh, I guess, uh, going through and, and doing that to, to, to a fellow white person, um, you know, on top of the things that you mentioned, but I really do think that race had an issue. Um, yeah. uh, you know, they were probably got some backlash or, you know, they got back to somebody that was, uh, you know, living, uh, or, or doing police work like that. Cause they have their own blue line that they follow as well yeah um you know so those were the two times that really like you know put me on the map of you know 
this is like some shit, man. Like nobody really cared. And then there was a time I went to school. I remember uh, I wasn't going to school often, but when I did go to school, you know, I was getting into fights. Um, I remember this particular day I got into a fight with this kid and my shirt came off. And my mother beat the shit out of me, man. I had welts on my back. I'm talking about, I'm skinny, man. I was malnourished. I'm, uh, it was a lot going on. And the teacher, she was a Jewish lady, right? Yeah. Now, um, she wasn't, for me, she was super mean to me all the time. I don't know if it's because I had blonde hair and blue eyes and I looked like something off of an experiment from from over in them times with the Nazis yeah. or something. But um, I remember she used to eat tuna fish and crackers every day at lunch, right? And her breath right. used to stink bad, man. Like, it was just smell like tuna every single day. And I said, yo, this is my chance. She saw the, the, the welts on my back, right? Um, I put my shirt back on real quick. She let the class go in, and she had me outside on the wall. And she's like, what happened to you? And I just, I just, something came over me, and I just said real quick, my mother's crackhead, she doesn't feed me, I'm being taken care of, and she beats me, and she looked at me in my face, said, hmm, I don't want to hear that, get back in the class. What the fuck? I went back in class, and when I, when I, when I left that day, I didn't even go back to school, bro. I just say, yo, it's like, what the like, I try to pour my heart out to this lady. You know, there's evidence all over my back. You know what I mean? I was living a harsh life, man. And she just, she didn't, she she just let it go, man. She didn't fucking say not a word. She didn't never bring it up. Nothing, like, it, it wasn't no care concern in anything that I told her. And it wasn't alarming. It was almost like, good for you kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, so... I was with another situation where I kind of lost faith in adults and, you know, just, just what the fuck, man? Like, I'm, I'm, I thought maybe, I, you know, I'd have been able to go back with the foster family I was with, even though they kind of shunned me out. You know, I was hoping for anything, you know, I, I was just, it was, it was just, you know, really just trying to figure out, you know, maybe somebody will come save me or something. Right. But, um, it kind of led me back into the, you know, um, the fuck it's man you know i started doing a little bit more crime robbing people you know we're not going to school we're waiting for kids to get out of school so we can rob their lunch money you know we're beating kids up i joined the gang um so you know i'm i'm living this life man like yeah, fuck it and um i had uh robbed this kid for his bike with two of my buddies uh like i said we, we had a little crew because all our parents were going through the same thing yeah. And, um, now, was you know, this the same kids that you that 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 your your mom was friends with, like their mothers yep. and everything? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So you know, we would go on, you know, go around stealing bikes and stuff like that. Uh, we went down to uh, Marine Park. Um. So it's a it's a, it's, it's kind of like the uh, middle class white neighborhood of Flatbush, where it's still yeah. like uh, you know, the white side of uh, Brooklyn. I got you. You know, you know, they had they always had good bikes and good stuff, you know, living in I lived in Flatbush, uh East Twenty Sixth Street, not too between Foster and um Glenwood. Um and then you got the junction maybe two a block after that. So, you know, it was uh it's a lot going on down there. It's almost like the city to that area. Right. Um so we would go in these areas, Sheepshead Bay, Marine Park, and we would go steal bikes, man. We would go get kids for their stuff. Sometimes we'd be like, hey, let me do a trick. And, you know, 
do a trick and then just take off on a bike. Or we would forcefully, you know, arm robbery and just physically force ourselves to get the bike from whatever person. Um, this particular day, there was a kid on a bike. Uh, can't remember. I think it was like a GT or a, perform- a GT performer or maybe even a Harrow. Um, so, you know, this is the time where wrestling is pretty hardcore. Um, yeah. I, 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 I speared him right off the bike, right? Right. Um, when I speared him, his shoulder hit a rock and his, his uh, shoulder popped out. The, the bone broke. He's bleeding. Oh, it's bad. So my friend takes the bike and runs off. Me and my other two friends, we run a different way. We climb up on a garage roof. We're hiding. We hear the police coming. We see the bike in the back of the police car with the kid, my friend that took the bike. He got caught. Um, I go home. I think nothing of it. You know, I, phones back then, it was a house phone. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you, you, there was no cell phones. And if you didn't have a cell phone, you know, people were selling drugs who had cell phones. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, in a way, I kind of knew that, you know, he got caught. I, I really didn't try to check up on him. I uh, So I pers- pretty much went to, um, I had a card, you know, when you're in the system and you go back to your family, there's a, like every month, they're supposed to come and do a home visit, and you know, a wellness check, you know, see if everything's on the up and up. Now, when these things would take place, uh, the worker would call my mother. She would find a way to make sure there was food in the fridge and she would clean the house the best she could. That's how I knew they were coming. Because this is about okay. the only time that there was food in the house. Because she was selling the child support my father was sending her and the yeah. food stamps and all that stuff. Um, so I knew, you know, this guy's coming and they're going to come check up on it. She changed into a whole different person and, you know, it, the whole get up. Um, so I kept that card, right? I, I right. called I called him. His name was Mr. Grogan. He was my caseworker. Um, I told him, hey, listen, man, this is really bad. Um, you know, my mother's doing drugs. I'm getting beat. I don't have any clothes. I just don't want to be here. And it kind of, what enticed me to do that was my mother sent me away for a sleepaway camp, uh, but it was through the agency. And yeah. when we went to the place where they would pick us up and bring us to this camp, it was called Camp Care. Um, somewhere all the way upstate past Dobbs Ferry, but uh, my my agency was St. Christopher's, and that's located in uh, Dobbs Ferry. So you had to take the train, get there, and then, you know, leave us there, and they would take us to the campground. But it was literally a group home, uh, a campus group home. And I seen all yeah. these kids nice and healthy and clean clothes, and they were happy and smiling, and there was girls there. I was enticed, man. I was enticed, and I said, wow, man, this is a lot better than what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Because I'm just out here just surviving. Um, So when I called him, the only thing that came to my mind was I was going to be in a place where I was going to be fed and clothed and, you know, not, you know, abused. Right. Um, Neglected, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, they take me and they take me back to Light Street, right? I had to go to the local precinct. He told me he would pick me up from there. Went to the precinct, um, he picked me up in one of those agencies' vehicles um, and brought me to Light Street. I'm in Light Street for that time period. When you're younger, it's 24 hours. But when you're a little bit older, um, you could be there for a month waiting for placement. Um, because I was uh, I was 12, um, they put me into a independent living group home. 
It's a house in whatever borough. I end up going to the Bronx, Castle Hill, on Howe Avenue. Um, now, mind you, I'm 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 always the the, the only white boy that uh you know everywhere I go. Um, so yeah, I had it rough. I had to fight. I've been fighting. I'm in the gang already. I've been going through all that stuff on the streets and carrying knives and and fighting and all that stuff. So it wasn't that bad. But when you're in a close setting, right? And there's a hierarchy and a pecking order in those homes. Um, you have to, you know, you have to buck um, at any kind of, uh, you know, insinuation of uh, dominance that might come your way to, you know, put you in your place, right? Um, yeah. This is something that we knew about from young. Um, when we were coming up, you know, it was always like a rites of passage. Like one of my friends that I grew up with. Uh, he, he went to Spotford first, right? And yeah. when he got out, he was like, yeah, if you went there, you wouldn't be able to do what I did. You wouldn't be able to survive. And we had this weird thing with us. It was like, well, when I go, I'm going to make sure that everything that you said, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm the one and none of that stuff happens to me, what you said, right? Like, we would, like right. it was almost like a... Like a competition. A, a yeah, a competition or a muster up, you know, kind yeah. of situation. And it's not like, yo, if I go, it's like when I go. And that's right. the mentality that we had because it was almost like a rites of passage, you know what I mean? Um, so I had that same mindset, even though it wasn't spot for yet. Um, you know, group home is almost like the same thing, just without gates. Um, you got from 18-year-olds to 12-year-olds um, in and out of this one house in a neighborhood. And not only are you worried about the things that's going on in that house, but you're worried about the neighborhood too. I remember I was in that group home for maybe like uh, seven or eight months, right? And right. we would go through our own conflicts within the group home, but then we would have to band together <laughs> to fight off the neighborhood kids because the projects were right down the block. So every right. time we came, came to the house, we'd have to walk through the projects. So we didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we're going to get jumped or, you know, was it going to be a bad day today? Or are we going to fight today? And sometimes those kids from the project would come down the street, knock on the door and call kids out. Like, I want to fight such and such. Come out here. And it'd be a group of kids outside the group home. And then the group home kids would come out and we'd just be brawling. Um, unfortunately, um, I had a staff there that was abusing me. Um, not sexual or anything like that, but it was me and another kid named Anthony. We were about the same age. Um, really good kid. I liked him a lot. Um, we lost contact, but we were there, and, you know, we are the youngest, and the staff named Craig, um, big black guy, he would always put us in a corner and give us body shots and tell us to man up, right? So we'd have to get in the corner, and he'd just be beating us like a punching bag. And yeah. I have bruises all over my arms and my chest and my ribs. And um, there was this one day I tried to get in the house. He wouldn't open the door. So I went around back and I climbed through the fire escape. The neighbor, you know, they were in contact with the agency. They've been there for years. They knew it was a group home. Um, they called the agency and said, hey, we can't have kids climbing in your windows um, because then it'll start doing something to our property. They'll start thinking they could do it over here. So they, they pretty much moved me to another group home in Staten Island on Herbertson Avenue, in, um, Port Richmond, Staten Island, right? Castleton yeah. is about two blocks away. I don't know if you're familiar with Staten Island, but um, 
a little bit. Uh, I've been in New York, like I told you before. I, uh, I I've been in New York maybe about a dozen times. I uh, went out to Hunts Point to make deliveries when I was over a truck driver. So I, I went through those areas, and I actually delivered to some uh, to some uh, plant nurseries out. Uh, one was in Staten Island, and uh, and uh, I think Franklin Square, and uh, there was another area out there I went to. So yeah, I kind of I kind of had to drive through New York a little bit. I didn't like it too much in a big rig, but yeah, I, I kind of know the area somewhat. No, yeah. So Staten Island, you've got your different sections. You've got your rich areas. You got your, you know, the Italians out there. They got their whole section. A lot of middle class Americans live out there. Um, yeah. Uh, still to the point where you know they're they're well off. Um, yeah. I lived in the, the the parts where a lot of uh, Mexicans lived. Um, Right. A lot of uh, Spanish, Hispanic people that lived there. Um, so we were like in the slums of Staten Island, in a sense. Um, still kind of poor and, yeah. you know, rough area. Um, so they put me out there, and I'm going back and forth from Staten Island to Brooklyn um, every day, taking a bus all the way to the ferry. Now, mind you, I'm only like 12 and a half, almost maybe 13. Um taking the bus all the way to the ferry, the ferry to 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 the train, and then the train all the way to Brooklyn, doing what I usually do, right? Still same bad habits, just a little bit more safer. Um, yeah. It's not really because I needed it. It's because I was bored, and this is something that kind of stuck with me, right? Um, that yeah. adrenaline rush. I've never really been into drugs because I saw what it did to my mother. My mother went from a healthy, thick woman to a coat rack and it looked like somebody threw skin on it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, drugs have always scared me, um, to this day until the day I die. Um, alcohol, I don't drink none of that stuff. Um, so, you know, I'm going back and forth. Um, now there's a rehab facility across the street called Camelot. It's for, uh, kids that go get caught with drugs or using drugs and they use the, the whole situation to get put in the program instead of doing jail time. Um, so the same kind of situation from the Bronx. We're getting into fights with these guys. We're, we're getting to fights with guys around the neighborhood. It's just really, it's really crazy, right? right. So we're getting new kids in and out of the group home. This, at this time, like uh, the turnover rate for kids were like, every week somebody was coming in they were going AWOL and they'd have to fill a bed um so I'm there for maybe like uh I don't want to say maybe like four or five months um I'm getting into fights uh starting to get crazy the older kids I'm starting to get bigger I'm eating right you know I've got a little muscle mass to me now I'm feeling yeah. myself um I'm, I'm I'm maturing a little bit so I'm a little bit more intimidating, I guess, you know, a little bit more capable of, you know, doing what I wouldn't be able to do before. Um, I could tell the shift on how, you know, the older kids would interact with me, right? Um, yeah. There was a kid that came in and he uh, he tried to, like, bully me. You know, being the only white boy in there, I was always going to be tried first. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was almost like the weakest link. Um, sure. This kid... Um, he tried to punk me in front of the whole house. So um, I just rocked this shit, man. I I knocked him down really. I hit him really hard. I swelled up his eye. He, he flew into the radiator because, you know, we had fight rooms. You know, you go in the room and you fight. Um, yeah. Choked him out. And then um, 
he went to sleep and I got up out of there because I'm like, oh man, this is kind of crazy. Um, he's chasing me around the cars and stuff. His eye is swollen. I'm joking around with it, <laughs> you know, antagonizing yeah. him. Um, you know, so they uh, they put me in another group home. They moved me to uh, Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn, back in Brooklyn, not too far from where I live. I'm on Clarendon Road. Um, so this is the neighborhood I know. Everybody knows me. Uh, little Billy, Billy, Billy from the neighborhood, the only white boy in the neighborhood, right? They called me right. Billy Badass when I was growing up. Um, so I'm okay now. I'm good. I'm back into the gang. We're doing our fight things. I'm not really paying attention to the group home like that. I'm back in the streets. But now I got a little bit more reputation because, you know, I've been to other places or whatever the case may be. Um, so I I get into some trouble with the staff, uh, get into a fight with them. I didn't hurt them or nothing, but they put me in an RTF, right? They put me in Edwin Gould Academy. It's in Spring what, Valley, New York. What's an RTF? Uh, residential Treatment Facility, RTC, a Residential Treatment Center. Um, I got it. Okay. It's just a higher level of care. It's not independent where you're in the city. You're pretty much on a campus, like a college campus, but there's nowhere yeah. to go. Um, right. Okay. A lot more uh, supervision, uh, you know, there's staff, there's cottages, there's more of a program, you know, get rec trips, stuff like that. But it's pretty much the same thing, you know, um, all the way from 12 until 18, sometimes 21, depending on uh, whether or not the kids are going to college and they're doing the right thing. Um, so, you know, there's, there's there had to be at least like 10 cottages on this campus holding at least, there was uh, maybe 30 kids to a cottage, right? Um, right. So I'm there and I'm just not feeling it, man. And, you know, um, the race thing came into an issue. I, I don't have a racist bone in my body, bro. Um, yeah. But it was just, it was a lot, man. So I went AWOL. Um, when I went AWOL, I went to go see my mother. I went back in Brooklyn. Um, I'm spending a night. Old man Murphy died. Um, she, she, she ended up, you know, drinking him to death as far as, you know, always making sure he had a, full supply of beer, you know, kept him out of her hair and happy to an extent. Um, yeah. Passed away from a stroke, you know, uh, all those kind of complications when it comes to living that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so I go there. I'm the one that's sleeping in the kitchen now on a mattress, right? So, right. <laughs> um, it's got to be like two in the morning. There's a bang at the door, man. And, you know, it's, 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 it's not a crackhead knock. It's not a robbery knock. It's a police knock, right? Yeah, um, you know, boom, 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 boom. Sheriff's yeah, office. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I've, I've been scared by that knock before once or twice in my life. I know, I know, I know exactly what that knock sounds like. So um, my thing is, like, when my mother didn't want me to go out the house when I was younger, man, she used to take my clothes and hide them, and she used to sleep on them, you know, when she was going through it down, coming off and, you know, trying to be a good mother, Um I would have to go in and sneak my, my shoe at a time or my pants and my shirt because my friend would be downstairs doing the call for me and I'm trying to get everything together and I'm throwing things out the window for the catch so I can go down the fire escape and we can run off, right? So yeah. I've been, I'm familiar with the fire escape. I'm getting all my clothes together. I'm ready to throw everything down. As soon as I, I'm ready to get throw everything down, my mother lets them in. They're like, uh, yeah, we're here for your son. Uh, is Billy here? 
Uh, we have an award for his arrest. And I'm listening. I'm trying to find out what's going on. I'm halfway out the window. I'm halfway in the house. And I'm just stuck between the two, right? Right. She lets him in. And they're like, yo, come on. Come in. Come come, come in the window. They put the cuffs. They tell me to get dressed. They put the cuffs on me. Um, and they bring me down to somewhere downtown Brooklyn, right? In this big building. It's not even a precinct. Now, remember I told you about the case with the bike and the kid's arm popping out? Yeah. That's what that was for. Uh, because okay. I was in a system and I put myself in a, in a foster care system. It was hard for them to find me. Um, but it just so happens that I saw that kid that got arrested that day. And he had told when he got caught. And I guess he contacted them again and they knew I was at my mother's house. Um, so they bring me down here. I go to Spofford. I'm in Spofford for like a month. We go to court. Um, Spofford is just like the group home. Um, it's just, it's kids your age. So we're 13. Yeah. You only got kids with that are 13, right? And we're, sure. we're there and we're all doing our own thing. We get into little fights or scraps or whatever, but we're all pretty much on the same level mentally right right um the group home comes and says we'll take him back they send me back to edwin Gould academy so i'm there now i'm i'm there for like uh maybe four or five months everything's going good i'm trying to figure it out and um you know i just got the case of the fuckies man and i went awol again now the first time i went awol we had to walk all the way to the george washington bridge and walk over the bridge and then jump on a train um, running through the, the side of the highways, um, you know, back streets, just walking the highway all the way to the George Washington from Spring Valley, New York. So I gathered up two other kids that wanted to leave and we left. Right. Right. Um, that, that was the first time I went AWOL. The second time I was a little bit smarter about it. Um, uh, day passes where, They'll bring you to, you know, your family member, hoping in, in, in the long run that you'd be able to get weekend visits or, you know, overnights. Um, it was close to Christmas. I think uh, Thanksgiving was coming right up. Um, and, you know, when I went there, um, they let me knock on the door. They let me go in the house. My mother had this younger girl. Um, I guess she was a stripper or something, but um, pretty pretty girl. But you could tell she was using drugs and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I told her, hey, listen, I'll, I'll be back. I knew the neighborhood. I knew my building. I knew the fire escapes. I knew the whole setup. Um, I went AWOL. I ran off, right, when they brought right. me to go do this this visit. Um, I ended up going to a, uh, older guys' uh you know, uh, one of the guys in the neighborhood, uh, you know, he's always in the stuff, you know, anything illegal, that's where you go. Um, so I went there, you know, I'm, I'm feeling myself. Yeah, I was in Spofford, I'm in Poupon, you know, just, just, you know, running down the resume and stuff. They're like, where you been? Are you good? You know, it's kind of like a welcome home kind of thing. You know, you're getting love, yeah. attention. Just so happens that the house that we're in, um, he wasn't paying any rent. He wasn't doing anything. Um, you know, he had guns and drugs in the house, selling marijuana, selling whatever else. Um, so the person that owned the apartment um, pretty much called the, the police and said, hey, listen, this person, he doesn't have any right to be here. 
like four other people in the place. Now, mind you, I just came. I just went AWOL from the group home. I don't have any guns. I don't. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm. I'm. I'm right. just. What I got on me is what I got on me. Um, discrepancy about paperwork. He's trying to prove that he lives there with some address, uh, with some mail. They're not trying to hear it. They lock us all up. Um, we get to the precinct. They put the gun on me, right? There's a gun right. in the house. They put it on me. Um, so this automatically violates the conditional release that I had prior from the case that I had prior to this to go back to the group home. So it's a wrap. I'm on, I'm on in Spofford. I'm there for a month. They placed me in Crossroads, which is another juvenile detention center in uh, Brooklyn, uh, 16 Bristol Street. Now I'm there for like seven or eight months, right? Right. Fighting, uh, you know, I, I become cool with the staff there. I'm able to eat Chinese food because, you know, um, they manipulated us. Well, not manipulated us. They kind of waved things in our faces about, you know, food and extra TV time or whatever the case. I didn't have anybody to call, so that wasn't ever enticing me. Yeah. But, um, you know, being up this kid... They- yeah, they basically I'm, did all that to, to get you to kind of be compliant and everything like that, to try not, not to cause too much problems for, the, for their job and everything. Yeah, so, you know, um, yeah. but a favor for a favor kind of thing, you know. Gotcha. Um, you know, I, don't, I don't like this kid, you know, get him out of here. I got gotcha. you. Uh, now, Will. Yeah. I'm going to have to, uh, unfortunately, I'm, I, I don't like to end in the middle of, middle of a good story like this, but I'm going to have to because of time constraints. But what gotcha. I want to do is I want to do this as a part one episode. Uh-huh. And we want to, if not today, at another time, we're gonna we're, we're gonna continue the part two on this. And I think yeah, this no will be worries, a good I... jumping off point. Um, but yeah, let me uh, let let I, I, I schedule some things out and everything like that. But let me get this uh, let's kind of end off on this on this note right here, mm-hmm. and then we can pick back up on the next episode with this one with the with with the remainder of the story and your life story as well. Okay, how's that sound? Yep. 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 All right, brother. I'm sorry to cut you short like that, um, hey, listen, dude. Man, I, I, dude right. it, it feels like it feels like 20 minutes, bro. It doesn't even feel like we've been recording for over an hour. Yeah, no, nah, no, like it, it, it gets like that. It, oh man, it's a, and it's a good story, dude. I really, uh, I'm glad that you reached out and wanted to do this because, uh, dude, you have a damn good story for sure. Um, and go. it's a lot of good info and good insight on what this life is like for for a lot of kids. Yeah. So, um, let's just end this off right now with this part one episode of Stuck in the System. And we're gonna have more coming up for uh for our listeners. So, all right, brother, right. let, let yeah, me end it off. Be safe. You too, man. Later. All right. Later. Hey, everybody. So that was that would be part one of Will's interview. You know, stuck in the system. Uh, we're gonna continue it back at another episode soon. So just stay tuned and realize that uh, things don't always work out with time constraints and schedules and whatnot. But uh, he does have a very good story, and we will pick it back up as soon as we can, all right? Love y'all. Thank you. Stay tuned in. More episodes are dropping. More episodes are coming. And that's it. Go protect those children. Protect all kids, even if they aren't your own. Love you. Bye.